This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. I don't know a single person who remembers puberty fondly. From the hormones, to the wild emotions, to the physical surprises, it's not a time that lends itself to lovely memories. But those growing pains help move us from childhood to adulthood, and that is one wonderful outcome from the messiness. As we hear from this week's teller, Dr. S, some folks experience this type of change more than once in their lives. Join him as we mark the end of Pride Month with a story celebrating one trans man's journey. Recorded live at Pub 626 in Chicago in February 2020, Second Story is proud to present I've Had Two Puberties. I look different, I say as I stare into our bathroom mirror, a hairy face looking back at me. How so? My wife Danielle wondered. I don't know. I don't recognize myself. Who is this guy? I've been on T four and a half years, and it's hitting me that a lot has changed. Like my face. I like it, and it's unfamiliar. Let me explain. I've had two puberties. My first started when I got my period at 13. I always hoped I could avoid that whole period and breast thing. I only knew horror stories about them. As soon as mine started, I wanted to know when it would end forever. I knew people who were only happy to get a period when it meant they weren't pregnant. I was at my dad's house when the pain and blood started, and I was a little scared. I hadn't prepared for this moment. So I called one of the few people I would at a time like this, my cousin. It didn't matter to me that he was male assigned at birth and had never had a period. I just needed some help. He was a year older than me, and we'd gone through most of our life together. Him jumping rope, me playing basketball. Except those two years I lived in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and came back talking white. Hello? Hello, I think I started my period. I whispered into the phone, why are you calling me? <laughs> because I don't know what to do. Girl, you, me either. I bled on myself. Okay, does your stepmom have anything? I haven't looked, my stomach hurts. Girl, you better check under the bathroom sink. I shuffled under the sink. I found something. Stay free, maxi pads, all night XL. <laughs> it's a damn diaper. <laughs> this won't be comfortable. Huh, good luck, bye. I stood in the bathroom bewildered. I cleaned my underwear in the sink and then put the pad on. And you can probably guess what happened when I tried to put a pad, without wings, mind you, on wet underwear. It didn't stay in place and I bled through my clothes. So that was how I entered my first puberty, confused and messy. This whole gender thing has been confusing and messy. It's been 1,210 days since my last period, and it's been glorious. <laughs> oh shit, am I pregnant? <laughs> Even though I don't get a period anymore, my second puberty came with its own challenges. Acne everywhere, a sore throat as my voice dropped, accompanied by some pretty offensive BO, and horniness, 
oh, that's actually fine. <laughs> Even with its challenges, at least I was more prepared for it. I did extensive research. I actually initiated it when I injected my leg with testosterone for the first time. My second puberty didn't just happen to me. After a while on T, my period finally stopped, but I still had those breasts. I think I want to have top surgery, I said to my wife as we lay in bed a year after I started T. I had been exploring it, asking questions, watching YouTube videos, and learning about the procedure. My wife was the first person I talked to about this whole gender thing, first describing it as an experience of being a gay man, tangling gender and sexuality in my understanding. She continues to be one of the few people I go to when I want to talk through gender stuff. She knew I had been considering top surgery and said okay initially. As we embarked on the journey and it got more real, she admitted that she'd miss my breasts. I won't. I was imagining my new chest and wondering how it would look. Even though she'd miss my old, she took care of my new chest by draining blood, putting ointment on it, and even naming my new nipples. Just six weeks after my surgery, we were in the Dominican Republic, and I went shirtless for the first time outside. The surgeon had given me clearance to go bare chest outdoors, as long as I put sunscreen on my still healing chest. Up to that point, I had persistent fears about being outside the comfort of my home without a shirt. I was hyper aware of my pink nipples and incision scars. Will people stare? Will they know I'm trans? I was so ready to shed those fears, but the very first time I unveiled my chest outside, I waited until the sun went down. Under the shadow of the moon, I danced to the music of the waves. It was a feeling like none other I'd ever experienced. I reveled as the cool breeze traced my chest and back. It was a mixed emotional experience because it also felt a little awkward. We were influenced by growing up girls and being told it was inappropriate to be topless in public. But we didn't let those gender norms steal our joy for too long. As I danced, Danielle stood and joined me under the moonlight. So we love vacations. And a year and a half later, we had taken more beach trips. I had gotten increasingly comfortable being shirtless outside, whether swimming or taking out the trash. I still had some anxiety about my chest and wanted it to look like cis men's, but I'm not a cis man. I'm my own man. And there's something beautiful about shaping myself and my body the way I want and need. Because before my surgery, I did all kinds of things to disguise my breasts. Sports bra, tank top, t-shirt, and another shirt. It was a lot. I would look around at guys with their shirts off, no matter how big their chest or belly, and longed for the day. And that day was now. I could shed all those layers. By now, I had also completed a few push-up challenges and could flex, flex my pec muscles. <laughs> so I felt pretty good about myself. There was still some trepidation, but it had been fine. If people stared, I didn't notice or didn't care. When we're on vacation, I get to be a relaxed, try new things, I hope this doesn't fuck up my stomach version of myself, because travel belly's a real thing. We were enjoying the warm, sunny weather in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, 
a nice reprieve from the Chicago winter. On this particular day, we decided to lay out on the beach and just relax. I walked out of our room without a shirt on like I'd done so many times before. This seemingly simple act had become an important part of my expression of authenticity and self-love. The walk from our room to the beach was probably 100 yards. As we walked, we were basking in the sunlight, excited to find our spot on the beach. All of a sudden, someone broke through our bliss with their ignorance. I heard, dude, what's wrong with your chest, man? The seemingly drunk white man blurted out like I was one of his bros. He was in a sea of white men in their 30s or 40s walking towards us. I felt his intrusion through my whole body, like a hair in my food. The moment took me back to high school when I would wear form-fitting clothes and people suddenly discovered I had breasts and gawked, damn. I was startled by his question. My heart started racing. I wanted to run away. I wanted to put a shirt on. I wanted to scream. I wanted to cry. I felt exposed. In a flash, I made a decision not to escalate the situation. Because what I wanted to do was use my recently developing boxing skills, <laughs> thanks to UFC Jim, to knock him the fuck out. <laughs> then our vacation would turn into a rumble in Mexico. I knew my wife would have my back like she always does. Like when people still call me girl, and she literally wedges her body between me and the girls hurled at me from people who knew me before. We pretend she's the girl they're referring to. She'd probably try to get between me and this drunk guy. Honestly though, neither of us was trying to get involved with the criminal legal system anywhere as black, queer, and trans people. Or I wanted to yell, none of your fucking business, asshole. Asshole? That's not even how I talk. <laughs> Must be the Lancaster coming out. <laughs> Disrupting his vacation with my words the way he disrupted ours. I even considered trying to educate him about my identity as a trans person. Listen, I'm a trans man and had top surgery to align my body with my identity. There's nothing wrong with my chest. It just looks different than yours. But obviously, there's something wrong with you that you would think there was something wrong and blurted out like that, bitch. <laughs> now that's me. But fuck that, I'm on vacation and I don't owe him or anyone else an explanation. I get to choose when I share my story. So, even though I heard him loud and clear and could have annihilated him intellectually for sure <laughs> and possibly physically, I kept walking with my wife to the beach. I was already holding Danielle's hand and squeezed it tighter, letting her know I was uncomfortable. She squeezed back, letting me know she was there with me. We kept it moving and made our way to two lounge chairs on the beach close enough to hear the water and the waves. I remember the waves. As we lay, I kept replaying the scene in my mind, wondering if I should have handled it differently. I had never been confronted like that. I guess she could tell I was still thinking about it. She leaned over. I'm sorry that happened. You okay? Yeah, what the fuck is wrong with him? Why would he yell that? I don't know, baby. I love your chest she said as she leaned closer to kiss it. You know, it's not even about him, but fuck what he represents as a white man who thinks he's entitled to everything, including my body. Regardless of whether he saw me as a trans person or not, it's none of his goddamn business. 
I know, baby. I love my trans hubby. I could feel her warmth and the calm of the waves replacing the anger and fear in my body. We pulled our chairs closer and I wrapped my arms around her. She laid her head on my chest and we relaxed. I was happy Danielle was there. With her, I feel like anything is possible. I get to live my life as if the world is the way I need it to be, and I don't have to explain myself or justify my existence. She validates and affirms me. I'm not ashamed of who I am, and I do want to share my story. Like the other day, when my almost two-year-old nephew was tracing my surgery scars and still mostly pink nipples with his tiny fingers. I don't know what he was thinking. Who knows what two-year-olds think? But I said, I'll tell you about that when you're older. He smiled at me. This story was produced by Ariella Khan, curated by Deb Lewis, directed by Max Spitz, with music and sound design by Mariana Green. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is supported by the MacArthur Fund for Art and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, Skadden Arp Slate Meager and Floam, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, CoBank, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast. <laughs>